0: A lot of people won't talk about their experiences during the war, and maybe it's a distant memory for them, but to be able to say thank you and be able to explain my family's story to them, and they realize it's from someone in some place real, that means a lot.
1: Welcome to this Memorial Day weekend edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. My guest today is Yvonne Carlson, whose family's history is entwined with World War II. You'll hear the story beginning in just a moment. First Person is here each week at this time for the purpose of telling people stories of faith in God, which always lead to more stories of how we respond to the love God shows us. In addition to this radio airing, we also release this show each week online on iTunes and on other podcast services, such as Stitcher and Blueberry. For more information, just visit our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com. And we're also found on Facebook at facebook.com slash interview, where you can leave a comment and learn more about what's coming up in the weeks ahead. Again, facebook.com slash interview. Well, on this Memorial Day weekend, we wanted to express our thanks to all who have sacrificed so much for the freedoms we enjoy, especially those who have given their last full measure of devotion, as Abraham Lincoln once said. Yvonne Carlson is the granddaughter of a Dutch family who suffered from Nazi oppression during World War II. Her American grandfather also fought the Nazis, and as a result, Yvonne has a thankful heart for all those who serve their country. As we began, I ask her to first tell me about her family.
0: Well, my father was in the Air Force. He was working as a NATO officer in Germany, and that's how he met my Dutch mother. Um, He was in Elmst, Germany, which is a Royal Air Force base, and they had mutual friends. So um, that is how they met.
1: Hmm. So you have grandparents on both sides. You have grandparents who are American and grandparents who are Dutch.
0: That is correct.
1: All right. Tell me about your Dutch side of the family, particularly, just tell me the story about World War II. What led up to it, uh, how it involved your family, and what, what happened during the war?
0: Certainly. Well, um, my grandparents um, had a home near the train station in a town called Roermonde. And uh, when they invaded they started bombing. So that one of the first trials that they faced during World War II was losing their home. Mm. So they were asked to evacuate. Um, the other trial was that my mother um, was a young girl. So my mother was three when that war ended. So she went through the occupation. So keeping her safe was definitely a challenge. I remember hearing about my grandparents' wedding And they were not allowed to wear uh, proper church clothes because, again, they were married in Nazi-occupied Netherlands, and they had really strict regulations on things as simple as who gets married, when they get married, how they get married.
1: Your grandmother's background, kind of interesting. She gave up a lot to marry your grandfather, didn't she? Yes.
0: My grandmother came from um, a wealthy family. Um, She comes from Belgium royalty. And... She was disinherited when she married my grandfather um, simply because um, he was outside of her social class.
1: Okay. What did he do, by the way?
0: My grandfather was an accountant for a dairy, very Dutch there, working <laughs> to make cheese, of
1: course. Uh huh. I'm surprised, though, in the south of Holland because we think of that coming from the north.
0: Yes, yes. In Friesland? Yes, that's correct. Now, we're from Lim- the province of Limburg, which is the very southern part of. Holland.
1: Okay, so your grandparents were married in nineteen forty one. One. So the war was underway at this point. That's correct. They lose their home because the Nazis bombed that part of of the country, and yes. their home was close to the train station. So what happened? Pick up the story and just begin to tell us the story. Of what happened to them during the war?
0: My grandfather looked Jewish, and that was always something that we've talked about. And I've never gotten any clear answers in terms of when we stopped practicing Judaism, because what, you know, when I, um, my recollection is that they've always been Catholic. And so my grandfather looked Jewish. Um, they were looking for any able-bodied men at the time. So really when they were in the, the Nazis were very concerned about the Americans coming and the allies coming, they were digging, um, tank trenches. So they really literally went door to door seeking people, build these trenches. They wanted ditch
1: diggers. Ditch diggers, that's right. They wanted the Dutch to provide the labor.
0: Right, exactly. Okay. And um, there was a resistance, and a lot of people didn't come out. Um, They said, you know, we refuse. So they they went door to door, and they started taking people. One of those people was my grandfather.
1: So at what point did the Nazis come after him and take him off to camp?
0: It would have been late in 1944. Um, We were liberated in March... Um, of 45. So my grandfather spent six months in camp.
1: Was he the only one in his family?
0: No, he was not the only one in his family. At the same time, his brother also was taken to camp.
1: I'm trying to imagine what that would be like, to be married with a with a daughter at home, a three-year-old daughter at this point, and to suddenly be ripped from your family during a war and taken off. I mean, what do you know about what he said or what he felt during that time?
0: Well. We do have his letters. He did correspond with my grandmother um, during this time. And you know, the one phrase that he repeated over and over was, God will deliver us. Mm -hmm. And of course, it broke his heart to be away from my grandmother. They had one of those epic love stories. They were very much in love with each other to the end of their days. Mm -hmm. And to be ripped away from my grandmother and my mother really took a toll on on him. I don't really know how much of an impact it made, but I would guess it's greater than any of us really understand.
1: Mm -hmm. Did you ever spend time with your grandfather?
0: I did. I did spend time with my grandfather. Did he
1: talk much about what life was like during the war?
0: Well, he did um, throw things out here and there. Um, One of the things that I remember him talking about is how they measured um, their portion of bread. So if you can imagine a very small matchbox... That was the portion of bread that they received at a meal.
1: This is in the work camp? That, he that was, is in
0: the work camp. That's correct.
1: Say that again, A matchbox?
0: That's correct. That's a how match much box. bread
1: he got each yes. day?
0: Yes. And I'm talking about the smaller matchbox.
1: Sure. I understand. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So what did he do in the camp? Now, this was a, a work camp. That's correct. Uh, this was not uh, one of those infamous... Nazi camps, the death camps. Correct. But nonetheless, it had to be pretty scary.
0: Right. Well, his brother was an electrician. And so they convinced the Nazis that my grandfather was also an electrician, even though he was an accountant. He worked on whatever odd projects they had for them, so they might fix a tank or what use, again, the electrician skills to fix anything that they might need. Mm-hmm. Now, the lucky thing is that they were not sent off to a munitions camp. So there were camps specifically um, designated for people making um, bombs and things, and they l- did not go there.
1: Yeah, that would be a hard line to cross, wouldn't
0: it? Right. They were right. often bombed, so that was definitely not choice A.
1: Mm-hmm. Was this camp far from his home?
0: No, actually, the camp was not very far. Um, he did talk about a train ride, and he remembers that very vividly. And I think about Schindler's List. Yeah, and you think of just visualize a lot of people in a very short or very excuse me, a very small space, crammed in like cattle's, hmm. treat, treated in a very inhumane way, and they're going somewhere, and they don't know where they're going, and there's a lot of fear and. There are people who are well. There are people who are ill. It was young and old. And the town that he was outside of, the work camp is, was called Giebel. The town he was outside of is Wuppertal, Germany.
1: So the camp was inside Germany.
0: Yes, the the camp was inside Germany. So um, Romand is a border town. It's very close to the border. So really, it wasn't very far of a train ride. Um, but if, again, you can't imagine what you, it must be like. No,
1: I can't. Was your grandmother allowed to see him at all? No, she was not allowed. So they were apart for six months, and they didn't know how long they would be apart. He didn't right. know when he would be liberated, obviously. Correct. Now, besides what he has told you, I know that you've done a lot of research yourself. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other things you've learned about this place, and what life must have been like for your grandfather?
0: Well, I know that in his particular camp, they were doing experimentation. Meaning? Um, they were exp- using people as test rats, essentially. So they were um, trying different medical treatments um, out on people in this camp, prisoners.
1: That, that's frightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's hard to understand how anyone could justify that, and yet they did, didn't they? They did. It, did he ever speak of that?
0: He did speak about it on his deathbed. Which I think is probably pretty common for people who've had these experiences. And, um, you know, he just bared his soul to my uncle.
1: Hmm. Did you ever sense any bitterness on your grandfather's part that he was taken to this camp ostensibly because he was considered a Jew, and yet he wasn't, and still he was taken to camp and conscripted into Nazi service?
0: He was always a very joyful person. And unless you knew him really well, I don't think you would realize how much it did bother him. I think he carried it with him. I think he forgave a lot. Um obviously he had German friends. My you know, we have our family has German friends. So, you know, obviously it wasn't that um we had ongoing prejudice against them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it made him more thankful. I, I, I wonder often, you know, when I look at, when I consider his love story with my grandmother, if one of the reasons he loved her so much is that they were separated when they were early married, and they're early in their marriage, and they found each other again. So they, they recognize what could have been lost. Yeah. And, if, and he um, was a man of faith. So I think even though it was a really horrific experience for him, he looked at it through that lens. That God is in control. Like I said earlier, many of his letters would say, God will deliver us. He really believed that God would deliver him from his circumstances.
1: More of this family's unique story as we continue talking with Yvonne Carlson today, here on First Person. Coming up next week, a visit with Super Bowl champion Don Beebe. I'm a firm believer that if God wants you to be or do something, those doors are open. You just need to stay with the faith and walk through them. The gifts that God has really given me is that steadfast faith that no matter what is thrown at me, I know God is in control. Don Beebe has six Super Bowl rings, and you'll hear his testimony coming up next time here on First Person. My guest on First Person today is Yvonne Carlson, a personal friend, and Yvonne's family story is intertwined with World War II, and I'm so glad that we get a chance to talk about this story. There's much more we're going to talk about. I have a lot of questions for you, Yvonne, but I want to ask you personally, um, just knowing what we know so far and knowing your family's story, uh, what is your reaction? How do you feel about what your family went through?
0: Well, I have a deep sense of gratitude if the Americans had not liberated um, my mother's town when they did, she would have died of starvation. That's the reality. And my grandfather would have died in a work camp. So the fact that I'm even here is a testament to millions of people who gave their lives. And for that, I'm so grateful. I can't even put into words if I had someone in front of me I couldn't even begin to articulate how much thankfulness I have in my heart for that. Mm -hmm.
1: And you've done a lot to really find out all the details you can about this story, haven't you?
0: That's correct. This is sort of my weekend project. I'm always researching. I have um, a blog even where I keep a lot of this information. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, there's a lot more to the story that we haven't told yet. Uh, Let's talk about your grandmother. She's... I don't know what her living conditions are like, but her husband is in a Nazi work camp. That's And correct. she's left with a small daughter and on the verge of starvation. Pick up the story there for us.
0: Certainly. Well, um, my grandmother's parents lived in the same town. And as they were of means, um, even though there was this um, rift because my grandmother married my grandfather against their wishes, they took her in.
1: Yeah, still, they're her daughter, so I can't yes, imagine that they yes. wouldn't. Right. So,
0: um I heard I heard a lot of stories about spending time in the cellar. And so, of course, they would try to store up any pr- provisions that they have. You know, they would eat uh, rancid butter. There are stories of people eating tulip bulbs. It was really whatever they could get their hands on just to find sustenance.
1: Now, you're a mother of small children. Yes. Your mother was a small child. That's correct. Can you imagine what that would have been like for a mother?
0: I can't even imagine. I mean, I think about right now, some of the war-torn countries, um, across the globe and i do think about that i really do and i pray for those mothers who have to face every day uh the challenge of finding the you know meeting the basic needs of their children Hmm. Hmm.
1: so in 1945 it was the americans or canadians who came
0: actually the americans were the first on the scene
1: all right, and that meant liberation. that's correct. Uh, what What do you know about what happened? and And it be, it happened in uh, march of forty five
0: That's correct. That's correct. Well, the Dutch are um, very hospitable people. They celebrated. They had parades. <laughs> um the parade in my mother's town, you know, they they actually went down Main street. An American gave my mother a doll oh. <laughs> And I have photos. Of my mother with that doll.
1: Is that right?
0: And what an act of kindness (laughs) that this American soldier, um, did for my mother that day.
1: How long before your grandfather was liberated?
0: Well, um, my grandfather was liberated in June. So it was after, so they had to get into, to Germany and go through Germany and, um, he was not home, actually, until later. He went into Belgium afterwards. You know, people who go through these um, camps are not able to eat. They have to be basically, basically retaught how to live. I mean, you're just living in conditions, you know, in, institutionalized, if you will. Sure. So he couldn't even um, keep a meal.
1: Hmm. Now, I know you said your grandmother wasn't allowed to visit him during his time at the work camp. Did That's correct. he Was there any correspondence? Did he know that she had fallen ill while he was in camp?
0: No, um, he did not know. He did not know. She wanted to keep up um, brave appearances. She she did not let him know that she had tuberculosis. Hmm. So um, towards the end of the war, she had tuberculosis. She knew it. She knew she was ill, but she could not leave my mother. She could not do it. And so um, when my grandfather eventually came back, My grandmother was sent to a sanatorium for two years.
1: Hmm. Two years? Yes. And I understand that he would visit her when he could?
0: Weekly. He brought her flowers every week (laughs) without fail. That is my grandfather. When I think about who he was, that act really sums him up. You know, just a loving, kind person who has had the biggest heart and very loyal.
1: You must picture him on his bicycle. I do. With his flowers. With uh, With a bunch of tulips. A bunch of flowers and tulips and going to visit his wife in the hospital.
0: I do. I do. I can see him.
1: Did your grandmother survive long?
0: Yes, she did. Um, They both lived into their 80s. Ah. So she made it through the sanatorium. She got well, amazingly. I mean, the death rate from tuberculosis at that time was quite significant. So she rejoined the family.
1: What did your grandfather say about that day of liberation?
0: You know, he really didn't talk about that day so much as coming back home and how thankful he was to be back home with his family.
1: That's easy to understand, I guess, isn't it? Yes.
0: I mean, that's what he was living for. That's what he was thinking of.
1: Now, there's another whole side to this story that we haven't touched on. Uh, we said early on that your father was an American serving with NATO, and he correct. met and fell in love with your Dutch mother, That's correct. and they married. So you have grandparents who are American as well. That's
0: what correct. was going
1: on on the American side during the war?
0: Well, uh, my grandpa Charlie um, was in the Army, and he actually fought, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Isn't he right? was in uh, Belgium. He was in France. His favorite story was falling asleep um in next to one of the hedgerows and waking up to see the uh gun of a German tank above him. Oh. So he had to army crawl away from the tank.
1: Oh, so they he, didn't know he was there.
0: That's correct. So okay. he escaped that one. Oh
1: my goodness. He was one of those band of brothers that we, we hear so much about, huh? The Battle of the Bulge.
0: Yes. Hmm.
1: So you, you're in a pretty unique position having grandparents on both sides. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they're on the same side yes, and yet in different, different, uh, nationalities, different circumstances entirely.
0: Well, when I look at the history of World War II, it's not just history for me. It's something personal. And I remember studying it in school and, uh, my classmates just didn't understand why I w- wanted to know so much about it. They're like, "Why are you so obsessed with <laughs> learning about World War II?" And I and I just wanted to, I wanted to understand the conflict. I wanted to understand its resolution, and um, most of all, I just am so thankful for the men and women and the families that gave um, of their own mem- family members. You know, even unto death to fight this battle and just America for being America and mm-hmm. fighting for freedom.
1: Mm-hmm. This is not, though, just an academic thing for you. This, this is very personal for you.
0: Definitely very personal. In fact, um, when I am out and about, I am always scanning. I'm always looking. Every older person I see, I am looking. Do they have a hat? Do they have a pin? Do they have something? And um, the other day I was at the Chicago Auto Show and I saw two. I met two World War II veterans. They had hats on, said World War, World War II veteran, and I made a beeline really? to them. <laughs> and I spoke with them and I have photos with them. And you know what a blessing to be able to say thank you to them. And of course, thank you is not enough.
1: Yeah. I bet they love talking to you. It was great.
0: It was great. I I gave them hugs, (laughs) and I, you know, I, I thanked them, and I said thank you to your family as well for allowing you to serve in the way you did. And um, back home, you know, we're from Denver, Colorado, originally, and moved to Chicago. Our neighbor was a World War II veteran. So the day that my mother met him. That was a day. Bet, yeah. You know, she was able to personally thank him. And I have a lot of his letters and records from his time. He was in North Africa and really got to see um, his personal experience and what he gave up. Mm-hmm. He, his son was very young and he spent two years away from him. And what he would do is write him a letter every week and give him a stick of gum.
1: My father served in the Pacific uh, battlefields um, and i he's in heaven now, but I, I have a box of mementos that he brought home from the war that I'll never let go of as long as I live. Those things are important I, and we're losing so many of them so quickly now. Uh, your your example of saying thank you, even to perfect strangers, um, that, that's got to be very special to them.
0: Well, you know, somebody has to do it. And, a lot of people won't talk about their experiences during the war, and maybe it's a distant memory for them, but to be able to say thank you and be able to explain the, my family's story to them, and they realize it's from someone in some place real, that means a lot.
1: Yeah. It's not just history. That's right. It's people. It's, That's it's, right. It's a Lives you
0: impacted for eternity.
1: Yeah. So you like to say thank you. Yes, sir. Whether it's Memorial Day or not?
0: That's correct. Anytime I see somebody that I think is a, a veteran, um, even in, in Vietnam, I mean, any veteran that I see, anybody who, if, even if I'm on the train, if I see a veteran, I will go up and say thank you. Thank you for serving.
1: Yvonne Carlson has been our guest on First Person today. Her family story causes us to once again give thanks to God for all those men and women who sacrificed and served especially those who did not come home after securing our freedoms. Take some time this Memorial Day weekend to remember. And if you'd like to listen to this conversation all over again or pass it along to someone else, we have it archived on our website at firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the Listen button at the top of the page. We're also found on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash firstpersoninterview. Again, firstpersoninterview.com on the web or on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, we'll meet a former NFL star who played in six Super Bowl games. Don Beebe is a follower of Christ who will tell us his story and describe his life today when you join us next week at this same time. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for First Person.